If you want to be turning this morning, I'm going to be coming from the book of Romans, chapter 12. Very familiar scripture to most of us, I'm sure. Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Before you stand, I'm going to um, do a request real quick. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread Have Jesus than anything this world affords today. That's the truth, too. Listen to this. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather. Be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than all the worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name than to be Or be held in sin's dread sway. Oh yes, I'd rather, I'd rather, rather have you, Jesus, than anything this world affords today. rather have you Jesus than anything this world affords affords today oh yes I'd rather have you Jesus than any Amen.
I tell you before, as I always tell you, the altar is always open. It's a place for you to come and humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And that is what this day and this morning is for. We are gathered here for that very purpose, to share one another's burdens, to minister to one another. So you feel free at any time to, um, to kneel yourself down before him. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you're there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Here we go. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You may be seated. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. I beseech you, brethren... By the mercies of God. Do you hear the cry in Paul's voice this morning? Do you hear the cry in the Word of God's voice as he cries to you, as he begs you, as he beseeches you to, by the mercy of God, that you would present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Just a couple of quick definitions. The word conform means to correspond in form or character, to be similar to. In other words, you don't become similar to the world. That's what you were. But now, instead, you're not being conformed to that standard anymore. Now you are being transformed. That word transformed means to change in composition or structure, to change in character or the condition of. In other words, something in you is being completely changed. You remember last week we talked about what it means to be born again. We talked about why Jesus would use the term born again of all the ways to explain how we are to be saved, of all the ways to explain how we are to follow Him and do what He commands. He used the term to Nicodemus that you must be born again. We established that being born again means that you are a new creation you are not only a new creation, but you change your slave masters. You're no longer a slave to sin, but instead now you are free from being a slave to sin and you become a slave to righteousness, a slave to God. You become a new creation. You change your slave masters. The reason that we have to do this is because we are born of a sinful nature. We are brought forth from the womb with a mindset that is bent on being independent from God. This mindset tells us our whole life long that we don't need God, that we know exactly what's best for us. It'll tell us our whole life that even though we know this is not something that God would have us be in, guess what? I know better than God. So I'm going to walk the way that I want to walk. I'm going to do what I want to do. 
We are born rebellious. We are born stubborn. We have this mindset that is bent on it. As a matter of fact, Romans 1.28 puts it like this. Romans chapter 1 verse 28. It says that, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. He said, the problem is this. All the evidence is there. All of His invisible attributes are clearly seen. If you go back to the beginning of Romans 1, that's what He starts this thing out with. It's impossible for anyone to stand before Him and say, I had no clue that there was a God. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. And He says here that even though we knew from the invisible attributes that are clearly seen that He is God. We refuse to retain Him in our knowledge. Do you see that? In other words, we made a decision that we did not like to retain God in our knowledge. It ain't that there are actually people out there that do not believe in God. I don't believe in atheists. I don't believe in them. I really don't. I believe His invisible attributes are clearly seen, that there is no excuse, that everyone knows the problem is right here. We don't like to retain God in our knowledge. Do you understand why? Because it means that we have to change. It means that we can no longer do what Romans 1, 23 says, 22 and 23. Professing to be wise... They became fools and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. You see what happened? We made ourselves to be God. That's the whole reason they set up idols. They didn't set up idols because they thought it would be cool to worship a bird. They thought it would be neat to worship a totem pole. No. They could make that bird, they could make that totem pole believe whatever they wanted to believe. They could make that God be okay with anything they wanted to do because they didn't like to retain the true God in their knowledge. The God that stands on the foundations of righteousness and right living in Jesus Christ, we don't want that in our knowledge. So this is where we have to have a new mindset. We have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, one more time. Read it with me again. I'm fixing to get into the message. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't raise yourself up as God anymore to live according to your standard, what you believe is right, what you think God is okay with. No. Present your body a living sacrifice to Him if indeed you have been born again. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then look at verse 2 one more time. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed. Remember, the reason you have to be transformed is because your mind don't like to retain God in its knowledge. So a transformation has to take... How many of you wished that you desired the things that God desired? Let's just get real in here this morning. I've actually over the last few weeks said, God, I just so wished that my desires were just completely like your desires. Yes, many of them have been changed into that. I don't desire a lot of the things I used to desire. But there are still so many desires in me that God is not pleased with. And I don't want those things there. I have a desire in me to be transformed. So I present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him. He goes on, he says, Be ye transformed by what? Renewing of what? Your mind. Remember, you have a mindset that is bent on being independent from God. If you're going to be born again and be transformed, then there has to be a renewing of the mind take place. My message this morning is simply this. God, how do you renew our mind? How do we renew our mind? How do we agree with you to allow you to renew our mind? I want to look at first off how our minds are renewed. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. This is where we went last week. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 and 6. Remember, we're naturally sinful. We're naturally conformed to this world. So there has to be a supernatural work that is done in our lives, in our minds, in order to bring us to the place to where we agree with God. This is not something you can do on your own. You don't just wake up one morning and go, oh, well, I desire everything God desires. Nope. Don't work that way. There is a supernatural work that takes place in you on a daily basis. Romans 12 said what? Renew your minds. How often? Daily. By the renewing of your minds, it's a daily process that takes place. Titus 3, verse 5 and 6. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And here's how He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The first thing He said, we've been saved by His mercy. First and foremost. We've been saved by the washing of regeneration. The word regeneration actually means this right here. To reform spiritually. To reconstruct. To create new morally. In other words, there is a cleansing taking place in your mind that creates a new spiritual conduct. And how is this taking place? The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work that you can do on your own. We trust that God has given us His own Spirit that gives us the ability to have our minds renewed, to show us His ways and show us how our ways are not His ways. And then this cleansing process, this regenerating process goes on right here in the battlefield in your mind. It begins to cleanse you. It begins to bring your thoughts and your manners into God's thoughts and God's manners. You start being transformed by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, the washing of regeneration. And look at verse 6. 
whom he poured out on us, how much? Any of you think you're lacking anything you need to live the way God wants you to live? No. It ain't because of his lack of supply. I promise you that. He has poured out His Holy Spirit on you abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This renewing comes from the work of the Holy Spirit who has been poured out into our hearts abundantly through Jesus Christ. So, saying that, we are to be transformed, rebuilt, correct? We are to become a new creation, changing slave masters, what does the Spirit do to transform us? What does He use to renew our minds? This is where it gets important. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If there has ever been a cry in your life that, God, I want my desires to be your desires, that, God, I want to desire to live the way that you have that you would have me live. If there's ever been a cry in your heart for, for righteousness, have you ever been there? If there's ever been a cry in your heart to want sin to be completely destroyed and out of this thing, then I'm telling you there's a renewing that can take place in your mind that can help you get to this place here on this earth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being what? Transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by who? So, this scripture has just backed up. We are being transformed by the Spirit of the Lord... But here is what He's using to transform us. But we all with unveiled face doing what? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. See what He's backed up. If you back on up into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll see that Paul has been trying to explain to them that the Old Testament and the covenant that you had was a veiled covenant. You could only see a part, a glimpse of the glory of God through this covenant. When Moses got a picture of the glory of God, how much of it did he get? The hind parts, wasn't it? Just the hind parts, Moses. You can see just a glimpse, just the hind parts. And it was so great that what did he have to do? He had to put a veil over his face because he radiated so much. He said that we, when we read the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, we see the glory of God, we behold the glory of God, but it is only in part. It's with a veiled face. He goes on to say even today when the Old Testament Scriptures are read, they still read it with a veil over their heart because they cannot see the fullness of the glory of God in the law of God alone. It only shows character traits of God. It does not show the heart of God. But then we all, with unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror the glory of God. How is that possible? Through who? Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that He is the image of the invisible God. If you ever wanted to know what God looks like, all you have to do is look in the mirror of Jesus Christ. That's it. 
He says the way that we are being transformed into the same image. Remember, what is the perfect and acceptable will of God for our lives? To be the image of His glory. To be Christ-like. The Bible says in Romans 8.32, I believe it is, that we were predestined. We were pre- it is your destiny to be conformed to the image of who? His Son. It is your perfect will of God in your life that you would become like Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people will look at you and say, well, the will of God in my life is that I be a singer. The will of God in my life is that I be a preacher. The will of God in my life is that, is that I be a prayer warrior. Well, yes, possibly that is so. But the overall summary, the will of God for your life is that you become into the image, the same image of Jesus Christ from one glory to another glory. And we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit, by beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. In other words, the thing that that the Spirit uses to renew your mind, to transform your mind, He enables you to see God for everything that He is. You ever want to wake up in the morning and go, boy, I don't want to have this desire in me today. Look at Jesus. You know, whoever come up with that concept of WWJD, they weren't really that dumb, were they? WWJD, what does that mean? What would Jesus do? You want to renew your mind daily? That's a good question you could ask. And then when you ask the question, what would Jesus do? Get in that book right there. They call it the Holy Bible. That's what they call it. Thank you. Get in that book right there. I know it's, I know it's a book that not many people recognize today. It's not, it's not a very popular book in today's culture. But it is still the living and powerful Word of God. Pick this book up and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then get in there and answer the question. What would Jesus do? Behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. It's right there in your hands. Paul says here, we with an unveiled face. There is nothing that keeps you from seeing clearly everything that God expects of you to be because He expects you to be conformed to the image of His Son and the image of His Son is plainly laid out throughout the Word of God. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind by beholding the glory of the Lord. There's a problem with this though. A big problem. Because Satan understands that this is the way that the Spirit is working. Paul said somewhere in 2 Corinthians, I think it is, that we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, we know exactly how he works. We know exactly the tools that he uses to keep us away from the perfect will of God. We know the things he uses to conform our minds to this world and keep us from being transformed into the image and the same image from one glory to another. But Satan's trying to keep us from seeing the glory of the Lord in Christ Jesus. Number one, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Read this with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 3. Remember, this is just a few verses down from where he described to us how the Lord is transforming us. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, check this out, 
whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Do you see this? The Bible just told you that the very tool that Satan is using to keep you from becoming the image of God is that he blinds your mind so that you will not see, the, but so that you will not behold the glory of God. In other words, he is putting everything that your flesh desires up right in front of your face for one purpose. If he can keep you away from this right here, if He can keep you from seeing all the perfections of Jesus Christ, if He can put everything else in your mind and in your eyes, He can blind you from, like it says again, starting in verse 4, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He cannot take the chance that you behold God's glory because let me tell you what one glimpse of God's glory will do to you. It will brighten you and shine you so greatly that people cannot even look at you for how bright you are. Just a glimpse of it will do that to you. If just a glimpse of it will do that, the Bible tells us that we see the fullness of His glory. And if that shines in your life, Oh, it's over for Satan. He's lost. There's no hope for him. So the very thing he has to do, he has to blind your minds. People, what I'm trying to tell you today is this. I know that it's tough to read the Word from time to time. You don't think I know it's tough? I know it's tough. I know it's tough from time to time to make yourself get in there. There are some days that it just draws me, and I can't wait to get in it. But there are some days that I have to make myself get in it. What am I trying to tell you? Fight for it. If you know that this is the way you're transformed is by beholding the glory of God, and you also know that the tool that Satan is using to keep you from it is trying to blind your mind with all the things of the world, then recognize that and fight for what you don't desire right now, but you want to desire, right? You fight for it. And when you fight for it, you pick that word up and you just begin to read. You start asking yourself questions. Jesus, I don't have a compassionate heart. Show me your compassion. Show me how you are perfect in compassion. Jesus, I don't have a forgiving heart. I can't find it. Well, pick your word up. Say, Jesus, show me your forgiving heart. Show me how you are perfect in forgiving. Jesus, I don't have a, a heart that, that desires to do God's will. Read in the stories of what Jesus done on a daily basis and how he was perfect in desiring God's will. When that begins to shine into your life, I make you a promise. You will begin to be transformed. See, right now, the majority of Christians today, in my opinion, are being conformed to this world. That's my opinion. Y'all can throw stones at me if you want to. I really believe the majority of Christians in this world today have been trained to be conformed to this world and its ways. Growing up today, homosexuality is nothing. Go into the elementary schools and look around now. Now, I'm not saying we all need to be what we call what homophobes or whatever you call them. I'm not saying we all got to be um, bashers. And, and, and No, I'm not saying that. I don't think that's right either. 
I don't. I believe they need forgiveness and mercy just the same way I do. Whether you're homosexual or not, I believe they need mercy, forgiveness, compassion. They need the light of the glory of God shown into their lives. But what I believe is this. I believe that we have been raised in a culture today that it's not even a big deal anymore. If someone wants to live in that lifestyle, they can live in it, and they can still be a Christian, right? Something don't line up there, does it? Look at the perfections of Jesus Christ. Look at everything that He was, and I promise you, you will no longer be conformed to this world. You will begin to be transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord. Does that make sense? I'm trying to ring a bell in y'all's head this morning because I want you to go home today and go, Wow, I have been neglecting the Word of God and studying the ways of Jesus Christ. And the reason being is because Satan has blinded me lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them and transform them into everything God wants you to be. Let me move on. There's one more tool Satan is using to try to keep us. He's not only blinding our eyes. Here's where I got to Wednesday night for those of you who were here and I had to stop because I was fixing to start preaching my message. Go to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Listen, I'm giving you these this morning because I don't want you to be ignorant of Satan's devices. I want you to see how he's trying to keep you from everything God wants you to be. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Y'all go with me. Make sure you pay very close attention to this. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who what? Boy, that's key right there, ain't it? You remember what I said last week about being born again? It don't mean that you stay the same. I'm not being your judge. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying examine yourself because those who he has become the author of eternal salvation to are those who obey. Not a lifestyle of sin. You may stumble. You may make mistakes. But your ultimate goal is that you obey him now. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. He goes on, he says... Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. But then he stops right there. How many of you can honestly say in here you fully understand everything about the order of Melchizedek? I believe there might be a few that could. But more than likely most people don't. You know why? He stops here. He says, of whom we have much to say. But it's hard to explain. You know why it's hard to explain? Since you have become what? Boy, that's a disease right there. I could preach all night on that right there. Dull of hearing. I'm going to tell you, you've been listening to me for a long time. Many of you have been listening to me for 14, 15 years or better. Some of you just been listening to me for the last year, couple years, or however long. But after a little while, I start saying some things that just don't make no sense to you. And instead of you digging in there and trying to find out, God, what do you mean by this? You know what we do? We just get dull of hearing. Oh, Satan, he's got a good tool. 
Not only does he blind your minds with the things of this world, but he gives you a disease called dull of hearing. You know, I told them Wednesday night, we have an awesome Wednesday night class. I really believe our Wednesday night class is, is the best of anything we do in classes here. Um, it's a great class. And I tell them every week, if you'll hang in there with me, we're going to learn. We're learning a lot about rightly dividing the word of truth. We're seeing how to put these things together. It's a good class. And I told them, I said, please don't get dull of hearing me. Please don't start getting these little cotton balls stuffed in your ears because you don't want to hear what I have to say. That is a disease that's not from God. When the Word of God is spoken, we are to have ears that perk up that say, God, give me more. Give me more. But instead, the majority of us have ears that say, it's 12 o'clock. Hello, is anybody up there? It's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Hello. Don't become dull of hearing. Perk your ears up and listen to what he says. The remedy for dull of hearing. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 9 through 12. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 9 through 12. I know it's getting close to 12 so I'm coming to a close. <clears throat> this is my last point. I'm closing. I ain't got but four more after this. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. But beloved, listen to this. Remember, Paul has just told them previously that you have become dull of hearing. You should have been teachers by now, but instead you have come to a place where you need milk again. I'm having to lay the foundation of the elementary principles of Christ when you should be learning about the order of Melchizedek. And I have so much about Jesus that I want you to see because I know that beholding the glory of God is what transforms you. And I want you to see so much of how perfect in everything that He is, but somewhere or another you got dull of hearing. You didn't care about the order of Melchizedek. Who is that? We don't really care who that is. They don't even make no sense to me. Order of who? There's so much about Jesus that He wants to show you of how perfect He is, how He is the exact image of the glory of God. But we stop our ears up. So He says, listen, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. <laughs> beloved, listen, I'm confident of better things concerning you. Shane Richards, I ain't hit on you in a while, have I? Oh, don't do that, son. You're my best, you my, you my best buddy to get on to out here. I ain't going to hit you too hard, but you know what? I'm, I, I, I know that there are better things for you than where you're at. Amanda King, I know there's better things than you, for you than where you're at. I know that and I am confident of better things concerning each and every one of you. I'm confident of this. All you John's Controls workers out there, I'm confident of better things concerning you. I'm confident of better things concerning all of you who will leave here today and the rest of this week you will go out and act like the rest of the world and then come back in here next Sunday. I'm not telling you don't come back. I'm telling you I'm confident of better things concerning you. I'm confident of that. Listen to what he says next. Yes, things that accompany salvation. <laughs> I'm confident that if you have been born again, 
that there are better things concerning you that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. But then look at verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name, in that you have ministered to the saints, and you do minister. But then listen to verse 11 for the remedy of dull of hearing. And we desire that each one of you show the same what? Diligence. The word diligent means an earnest and persistent steady effort to a course of action. So now with that definition, let me read it again. We desire that each one of you would show the same persistent and steady course of action that you don't become lazy and not wanting to work to learn about Christ because these are things that are hard to explain. But I have so much things that are I'm confident are better concerning you. But don't become dull of hearing. Don't become lazy. Don't get to a point that you pick up the Word of God and say, how many of you been here? I can't understand what this thing says. You been there? King James Version... That thing must have been for the Greeks. NIV, even today, that's become the New King James Version, the NIV. I can't understand that. I've got to have an ESV or a, a BMW or a, I don't know. The remedy. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until what? Have you reached the end yet? Uh-uh. Could you end be today? I pray that you will show the same diligence that you don't become lazy but that you will dig and dig and dig to behold the glory of God. That you will agree with the Holy Spirit that there is the glory of God in its fullness right here. Help me see it. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to get in here and I'm going to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. But then look at verse 12. Here's another thing that we can do. That you do not become sluggish. Sluggish is the exact opposite of diligence. Sluggish means that you have got to that point of dull of hearing. Your minds are blinded by all the things of the world. The couch looks so much better on Wednesday night than the church house. Can I get an amen? That's right. The couch looks so much better. Oh, I done got sluggish. I had a hard day at work today been rough boy it's 104 degrees outside and then inside that warehouse nick you just don't understand it's like 120 in that warehouse and then you want me to come to vacation bible school this week too i done got sluggish he says don't become sluggish be diligent going after God with everything that's in you, desiring to see the fullness of the glory of God in every perfection that Jesus Christ shows you, wanting to line your life up in every way with everything that He is. Every day I ought to get up and go, Jesus, I know this is not something that was in your life that is in mine. Let's get rid of this thing today and then let me find a perfect quality of yours that I can put on today. Shouldn't that be what renewing our mind daily should become? How many of us actually do that? No, but instead we become conformed to the world instead of being transformed by renewing our mind, beholding the glory of God and becoming everything that God means for us to be. This is evident in every one of our lives. You know how I can prove it? Think about how much time you spend on your life as far as building up in this world. 
as opposed to how much time you spend on your life and building up in spiritual things. Compare your study and prayer time with your work and, and, and home and baseball and football. Compare those two. Where do you stand? Ain't good, is it? We know that we are not being transformed into what he wants us to be because the evidence is there. We can't deny it. So let's not, not like to retain God in our knowledge, but instead let's love to retain God in our knowledge and be renewed in the spirit of our mind and become everything that he wants us to be. Is this making sense? Somebody tell me it is. The remedy. Have diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. Don't let yourself become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't even cover that. Look at the last part of that. But imitate those. Instead of becoming sluggish, here's what I need you to do. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Where do you find out how to imitate those from? There it is. Right there in that living and powerful word, Jesus Christ being the number one man to imitate. But there are many other examples too there. I'm shutting my notes up. Listen to me. I'm ending my series that actually has been going since January. I'm going to be gone for the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to be here next Sunday or the next Sunday. Next Sunday, Ronnie Lee's going to cover for you, and I promise you God's going to give you a good word from him. Come support him. The next Sunday, you've got the Glovers that are going to be here. Fagan's actually taking that Sunday, so he's going to line that up. He may speak. I don't know what he's going to do. I stop right here. I want you to seriously, just a few weeks ago, I had you pray in the Colossian prayer for one another. I had you praying that we would all be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and that we would be ever increasing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for that is what He's trying to give us, correct? And then we pray that you would be strengthened with all might, that you don't become sluggish, that you keep your diligence, that you stay persistent, I've had you praying that we would have full assurance of our faith for all patience and long-suffering with joy. I've had you pray in this prayer for each other because I know how hard it is to live this life in the midst of a sinful world. I know. We prayed that prayer for a couple of weeks, but I would wager to say that the majority of us have hung it up somewhere and it's just went to the wayside. Should I have to ask every week for you to continually pray for one another? I asked you a few weeks ago to begin looking at your life and find one thing. How many of you can find one thing that you know God does not want in your life? Just one thing. How many of you can find 20 or 100? But all you got to do is find one. Holy Spirit, show me one way that's not of God and then you show me a quality of you that I can put on. How many of you begin working on one but then somewhere along the way you quit? The point I'm trying to make is that these things apply to us whether we want to accept it in our mind or not. Find the desire within you to want to be everything that God wants you to be, even though right now you know that you're not. 
And I want you to begin a prayer life for one another. You can go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through whatever it is, and you can pray that specific prayer. And I promise you, for a church, <laughs> there is no better prayer to pray. This is everything we need to become, everything that God means for us to be. Boy, we get started good. We get to running good. But somewhere along the way, we get sluggish. We become dull of hearing and we lay down. Today's the day you get up. I'm going to ask this this morning. Maybe there's one in here that from last week, you've never been born again. That new creation never started. Old things never passed away. Behold, all things never started to become new. I invite you this morning. Make this morning the morning that you say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I make a lot of mistakes. But this morning is the morning I want to make a commitment to go after you with everything that I have. I know I'm going to make mistakes. But I'm going to make a commitment to make you Lord of my life this morning. I pray there's one here this morning that would do that. I ask all of you to examine yourself and see, am I beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror by studying the Word of God, by, by gazing at the perfection of Jesus Christ, or am I being conformed to this world? Which category do I line up in? And I ask you to repent this morning on your knees and humbly ask Him to put that life back in you that drives you to go after Him. Examine yourself this morning.